Okay, welcome. Um, let me tell you a little bit about our class and how it's going to go and uh, what it will be and what it won't be. Uh, everybody's lives are busy, so we're just doing an hour a week for six weeks. This is a condensation of 12 hour-long classes, so uh, there's a lot that's going to get left out. It's already on the cutting room floor, and um, I hope we'll have time. We may not tonight, but I hope we'll have time for questions and answers. I'm always happy to stay after class to answer questions, but if something really rings a bell, stick your hand up, and we'll try to talk about it, okay? And, it's, and I may say, we're coming to that later, just hang on to it for a while, okay? We just have a lot to cover. Um, so I'm going to stick pretty close to what I've got here so I don't get off on rabbit trails so we can make progress tonight. If you're a typical group of parents, you would quickly like to get to the how-tos. What do you do when? What do you do if? I, you will be sorely disappointed because I'm not going to do much of that. Oh, bummer. Right? Why am I not? Well, I'm happy to take time to answer questions about what ifs. But what I hope to do is cover some of the broad, overarching principles of parenting that apply to all those what ifs and how tos. And those what ifs and how tos will work out differently in every family situation. How you apply the principle may be different than how you apply the principle. So we're going to, this is going to be a broad principle, big picture kind of class, and I hope you're not disappointed with that. It's just the nature of the material. How, how particular things work for the Joneses may not be appropriate at all for the Smiths. So it's going to work out different ways in different families. This is not going to be cookie-cutter parenting where all the kids come out looking the same because they're not all the same. Their personalities, their gifts, abilities, strengths, weaknesses, particular sins, they're not all the same. So the principles will apply to every situation. They just may not apply all the same. What I want to do is give you a very helpful list of resources that will help you with tons of the what-ifs and how-tos. Okay? Um, there's, a, there's a list up here. You're welcome to take one. I've got some of the books up here. You're welcome to come up and look through them. And up here is an order form if you want to buy any of those. We'll be glad to order them for you. Okay? So you can just put your name down with the book you want. Uh, Withhold Not Correction by Bruce Ray has been around for probably 30 or 40 years. It's a really good book. It's strong on the discipline side of things, but it's very helpful and balanced and well-written. A really good book to help you. Shepherding a Child's Heart, really, really good about getting beneath the surface of just outward behavior to what drives that. All behavior is heart-driven. You're not just a bunch of external outward events. Everything flows out of who you are deep down inside. And, and it's pretty easy to manage, in, in most cases, <coughs> outward stuff. It's a whole different ballgame to get to what drives that behavior. Shepherding a child's heart will help you to do that. Instructing a child's heart is much the same, just with a little different take on how you teach your children. Don't Make Me Count to Three is a really helpful book that takes the principles of shepherding a child's heart and works them out in lots of practical what-if kind of scenarios. So that's a really helpful book if you're interested in a lot of the what-ifs. Age of Opportunity is particularly focused on parenting teens uh, by Paul Tripp. We've got a lot of stuff here by Ted Tripp and Paul Tripp, their brothers. They've done really excellent, groundbreaking, um, helpful work in the whole realm of marriage and parenting. 
Age of Opportunities, particularly for teenagers. Get Out of My Face is a really good book if you have an angry, sullen, withdrawn teenager. This, this has excellent, excellent material in how to communicate with an angry teen and how to break down some of those barriers and walls. So Get Out of My Face is for angry teenagers. Gospel Power Parenting takes the principles of the gospel and brings them to bear on, the, on all the facets of parenting. That's by Will Farley. Um, a Radical Book for Kids. I think that's what it is. Yeah, A Radical Book for Kids. The Radical Book for Kids. It's a really fun journey through the Bible and how so many of the different Bible stories apply to kids. And it helps them get a grip on the history of redemption in a really fun, entertaining, creative kind of way. So that's a really good book. Signposts from Proverbs. It is the worst thing on the planet that this book is out of print. Okay, maybe not the worst thing on the planet. It's really sad that it's out of print. You can find used copies every once in a while on eBay or Amazon. Uh, and the used copies are anywhere from 18 to 35 or 40 bucks. But it will be $40, very well spent. It's a topical arrangement of Proverbs. And what you want to do as a parent is you always want to be grounding your dealings with your children in this book. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. And Proverbs helps you to do that. It has sections, all different Proverbs on this subject, that subject, how you talk, how you relate to other people, how you treat your pets, how you deal with your neighbors, lying, cheating, stinging. It's just all kinds of Proverbs sorts of things that are very helpful. So if you can find a copy of that, get it. And you may not have mine. Or you, you reach out and take this book and you'll lose a hand, okay? Okay, maybe just a finger. Um, any of you, were any of you guys Boy Scouts? Okay. This book, uh, The Life and Faith Field Guide for Parents, is modeled after the old, old Boy Scout handbook, Life and Field Guide for Boy Scouts. This is really good, and it's fairly new, but it's really good on lots of the details of how to and what if. Okay? And they're all categorized in the table of contents. That'll be helpful to you. Childproof, parenting by faith, not by formula. Not every, not every principle applies to every family in the same way. So there's not a formula that one size fits all. And, and uh, Julie Lowe is really good at taking principles and applying them in lots of different kinds of situations. So that's a helpful book. Uh, uh, parenting first aid hope for the discouraged if you're a little farther along in the process and you're just what do I do now read this book it's help for the discouraged and in the process of parenting when sinners say I do is probably the most important parenting book I'm going to show you and it doesn't have anything to do with parenting it has to do with your marriage because a healthy marriage is the best foundation for healthy parenting Period. If, if, if you're a single mom or single dad, that doesn't mean you can't be a good parent, okay? But in a two-parent home, if your marriage is, is stumbling and crumbling and dysfunctional, guess what your parenting is going to be? Stumbling, bumbling, and, and dysfunctional. So this is a really good book on having a good, strong, healthy marriage. Uh, this is Paul Tripp's latest book on parenting, 14 Principles. Parenting. I just finished reading that reading that book a couple of weeks ago, and it, it, excellent, outstanding, really a good book on parenting and uh, and applying the gospel to parenting principles. That's really good. And the last book has nothing to do with parenting, 
but it has everything to do with understanding and analyzing the culture in which our kids are now growing up. And if you don't understand the culture, you need to get your head out of the sand and understand the culture because this is the world your children are growing up in and it ain't the same world that it was 10 years ago. It's not the same world it was two and a half years ago when the last, that was the last time I taught this class. My boys are 42 and 44, and uh, we've got 11 grandchildren from three and a half to 16. And the world they're grown up in is like, whoa. So we bought a copy of this book here at school for every one of our teachers because we're trying to help our students understand how to live in this culture. This is really a helpful book in understanding the culture. So uh, just some resources that hopefully will be helpful to you in the process of parenting. I can't endorse every sentence in every book, but they're all extremely helpful. What makes them helpful is that, for the most part, they're accurate reflections of this book. Okay? So, let's go. That's all intro. And we have 45 minutes left. There are few joys quite like those of parenting. True? True. There are few joys quite like those of parenting. There are few battles so critical as those involved in parenting. There are few memories so precious as those that come from parenting. There are few things so frustrating as parenting. There are few things so frustrating as parenting. There are few rewards like those associated with parenting. There are few tears like those shed in the course of parenting. There are not many issues more important than those that hang in the balance of our parenting. But parenting is not a walk in the park. There are many walk in the park days, aren't there? But big picture, there are lots of days that are not a walk in the park. There's a lot about parenting that is a battle. And I, and I know what you're thinking. I don't mean so much a battle with your children. Yes, you're coming with me right now. I'm talking about the battle for your children. For their souls, for their hearts, for their eternal welfare. Let's be clear about this from the start. The primary overarching goal of Christian parenting is not to have mannerly, well-behaved children. It's to see our children converted and walking with Jesus. For the rest of their lives. That's why I call this course gospel parenting. The gospel is the only hope for us and for our children. It's the saving activity on the part of Jesus Christ that deals radically with our root problem. And our root problem is sin. And apart from that, we got no hope at all. So the gospel is the hope for us. And it's the hope for our children. Most of us know enough theology to understand that conversion is ultimately God's work, not ours. But we also know that God uses means to bring about the conversion of people. And one of those means is surely the godly influence of parents. It's relatively easy to raise nice little outward Pharisees. They've got all the outward trappings of righteousness. It's a whole different ballgame to go after the souls of our children. The devil is out for the souls of our children. Make no mistake about that. Advertisers are out to get the hearts of your children. Movie producers want the hearts of your children. 
video game designers want them, and the politically correct shapers of our culture want your children to buy into their agenda while they're very young because that will guarantee a stream of income for the rest of those kids' lives. So, it, it, yes, it's about dollars. But they want your kids, and not for holy purposes. So we must fight for our children. And so much of that battle will take place right here on our knees before God. And in that fight, this book, this book must be our guide, our foundation. Remember the familiar words of 2 Timothy 3. 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequately equipped for, last three words, class. Every good work. Say it again. Every good work. Do you believe that? Is parenting a good work? You bet your boots it is. Is this book sufficient for parenting? Yes or no? Yes. yes, it is. And all this other stuff that may be so very helpful to us, and it is helpful to us, is only worth a plug nickel if it aligns with this book. So we got to keep coming back to this book. And we're going to find as we make our way through this class that frequently this book goes bang, bang, bang with what's popular. Out here in our culture. And with the pressures you feel as parents. So. If I could make any point. Over and over and over and over again. In the course of this class. It would be we got to keep coming back to the Bible. Because this is the foundation. For everything we do in parenting. Through your precepts. Through your precepts I get understanding. For what? For parenting. Therefore I had every false way. And there's, there's a gazillion, and I'm going to show you some tonight, there's a gazillion false ways of parenting out there. The unfolding of your words gives light. I come back to that verse so often when it seems like, what are we going to do? The unfolding of your words gives light. And it imparts understanding to the simple. You guys, there's hope for me. Because this book gives understanding to the simple. And let, me, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. So we've got to keep coming back to this book. And I can't underscore that enough. I recommend lots of other books, but they're only good to the extent that they're built on this book. There is more unholy, ungodly advice out there about raising your children than you can imagine. And it's dressed up to look really good. It will ruin your children. It will take them to hell. And the pressures are not just to buy into this or that. They're to abandon biblical methods of child rearing because they're outdated, old-fashioned, cruel, almost medieval, and dangerous to your children and their self-esteem. That has been said about biblical child rearing. It's dangerous to the self-esteem of your child. So the pressure is huge to buy into whatever fad is on the front page of Parents Magazine. And let me tell you, I looked through 30 or 40 covers of Parents Magazine and I picked a relatively innocent one. <coughs> or whatever was said on The View last week. 
The pressures are huge. Or for whatever your well-meaning friends have said to you lately that ever so subtly undermines what the Bible teaches about child training. The pressures are huge and they come from secular experts, Facebook posts, and you believe everything on Facebook, right? (laughs) There's all kinds of parenting advice on Facebook. Some of it is good. Even lines up with this book, a lot of it is rot. And will harm your children. But, but it's out there. Surveys, statistics, newspaper. Ladies report in the evening news. The fear of damaging our children's self-esteem. The fear of public opinion. And the stares of those in the checkout line at the grocery store. Have you ever, you've, you've been in the checkout line at the grocery <coughs> store. And little Susie or Johnny is throwing a fit. And you know what you want to do. And you know what little Johnny or Susie needs. But you got 14 sets of eyes bearing down on you if you so much as twitch in a way that they don't think is appropriate, then, oh, the wrath of the checkout line comes down upon mom or dad. That's pressure. The wrong kind of pressure. It didn't used to be this way. It used to, man, if, I, if I did the wrong thing in the checkout line at the grocery store, look out, buddy. And it was almost like the, the people in the checkout line said, go, mom. Not anymore. It didn't used to be that way. There's a new book out that sounds really, really good, published in 2019 by Wimby Erdmans. Erdmans has published tons of really good biblical stuff. They published this book in 2019 <coughs> by Cindy Wang Brandt. That's her. And here's what she said. Oh, the title of the book is Parenting Forward, How to Raise... Children with justice, mercy, and kindness. That sounds good. We are parents who want to see our children desire mercy and not sacrifice to grow up walking in the ways of Jesus for peace, righteousness, and wholeness. Here's her Facebook page. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Y'all buy that? Do you buy that? That's not a trick question. Do you buy that statement? Where's that come from? Okay, do you buy that statement? Do you buy the rest of her Facebook page and systematically decimate capitalism, racism, and cis-heteropatriarchy? Do you even know what that last one is? Okay. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and systematically decimate capitalism. Okay, that's questionable. Racism and cis-heteropatriarchy. Heteropatriarchy, cis-heteropatriarchy is male dominance over women and opposition to the LGBTQ agenda. They're going to decimate that. Which means that they're in favor of the LGBTQ agenda. But that lady said, we want to raise our kids to grow up walking in the ways of Jesus. She said that. It's in her book. She said, as for me, I'm also will serve the Lord. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Because we've got to come back here. Right? Um, so she tweeted um, Wednesday, January 8th, this, this past January, do not evangelize a child. She tweeted. Do not colonize the child's spirituality. Do not threaten a child with religious control. Your religion does not have a right to state claim to a child's allegiance. 
Whoa. Is that, is that a red flag? And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and to talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Evangelize your children? You bet your boots. Absolutely. So, the Bible's clear. And the Bible is clear on gender identity, on sexual purity, on what constitutes marriage and family, excuse me, on self-image, on the nature of deviations from God's designed order for men and women. The Bible is clear on all of that, but all of those issues are not just up for grabs in our culture. A biblical view of them is increasingly being ridiculed as not only old-fashioned and out-of-date, but actually harmful. Now, that's where, that's our, that's where we are. That's our culture. And so, why am I covering all that? Because we've got to make the point that this is our guide for parenting. Okay? So we're going to stick to this book. Let me give you a word of caution in that regard. The Bible is a book of principles. Uh, We talked about this a couple minutes ago. That we must take and think through and apply to real life situations in our homes with our children. And it's not going to give us detailed answers to every single situation we encounter with our children. There are hundreds of decisions that you as parents must make based on the principles of this book, and and it won't look the same for the Emerys as it will for the Vanovers. And that's perfectly good. Um, So the Bible says nothing specifically about breastfeeding or bottle feeding. Am I in trouble yet? (laughs) It doesn't say anything specifically about piercings and tattoos. Timeouts or the other alternative? Giving them a whooping. The Bible does talk about spanking. That's that's way on down the road. The Bible doesn't say anything about a timeout. Uh, Give an allowance to your children. Do it or not. If you do it, how much, how often? Do they have to work for it, or is it just a freebie? How many, how many of you guys given the lines to your kids? Ooh. I thought I was the Grinch who stole Christmas. You guys are cold-hearted, cruel. I'm sorry? It would be weird if Tammy gave him the allowance. Yeah, it would, right? Buy a kid's car? Do any of you have 16-year-olds? Do they have a car? Will your 16-year-old have a car? They might have one, but I don't know if they'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gift. See, it's got the... It, how soon are they going to get a cell phone? Dating. When? How? What? No, he's just saying he said no. Your kids are going to never date. They'll live with you till they're 35. My daughter's three, so it's, it's hard to think about that. This is a good one. What do you feed your kids? This, this is a better one. What do you let them listen to? Or... <laughs> and how soon do you introduce them to the role of technology? 
So it becomes really easy when we talk about parenting and we get down to some nitty-gritty stuff, it becomes really easy to be very critical of the way other parents are dealing with their children. I have no idea who that lady is, but she embodies a critical spirit, right? Um, so what we've got, there's got to be latitude in the application of these principles as we interact with other parents and we see what other people are doing and they see what we're doing. Not every father and mother will do it the same way. Okay? So that calls us to a very thorough, conscientious application of these principles in our homes, and it calls us to a very cautious, charitable, and generous attitude toward what, we, toward what we may observe in other families. If I have the gift of parenting and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all wisdom so as to train the most incorrigible child, but have not love toward my brothers and sisters, I'm nothing. That's what Paul meant in 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Let me talk for a little bit about the difficulty of the task, if I haven't already convinced you of that, that it is a difficult task. It's not to say that there are no or, or only few joys to child-rearing. You're going to walk away in this first class tonight saying, that was a downer. Well, there's a little method to my madness, okay? The whole, the whole series is not going to be like that. But... We've got to understand what we're up against and what we've got to deal with, okay? Not just in the culture, but in the hearts of our own kids. And it's challenging. It's not always a walk in the park. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the difficulty of the task. The joys to child-rearing are many, and they are deep, and they last, and they don't stop when your children leave the nest. Our nest has been empty for a long time. And there are still joys in seeing our children. And they're deep. And they last. But they don't come easily. And they don't come without cost. And they don't come without some pain. And they don't come without some sacrifice. They don't come by sticking your head in the sand and ignoring what's going on all around us. And what's going on in the hearts of our children. And if we don't appreciate the difficulty of the task before us, and if we don't take it seriously, the joys of rearing children and watching them learn and grow and mature will quickly be displaced by the unspeakable anguish and the monstrous guilt of parenting gone sour. We've got to know what we're up against. One of the things we're up against is the clock. Not that one back there, although I feel that pressure. The time we have with our children is enough. We have enough time to raise them, but that time will simply fly. Now, promise not to laugh. Yes, that's me. Really. And you would recognize my wife immediately because she doesn't change. <laughs> and those are our two boys who are now 42 and 44. You know how long it took to get from that to this? It was the blink of an eye. It was like that. That's what we're up against. Is how time literally flies. What's the point? Don't waste a day of the time God has given you to parent your children. Oh, honey, we'll get to that later. You better get to it right now. 
because the time will fly. Oh, ah, yeah, we meant to do that. We meant to teach them this, that, or the other thing. And, oh, we just never got to it. It happens. It happens. So we're up against the difficulty of the task is, is how quickly time goes by. Um, by the difficulty of the task, I mean that rearing children now is harder in some ways than it used to be. It's always been challenging. Our kids are sinners and so are we. But there's so many things that make it so much more difficult. Sin complicates everything. That's at the heart. That, that's the great difficulty in raising children. And when I say sin complicates everything, I'm not talking just about the sin in our children. How many of you have eradicated all your selfishness? Did, did you have any selfish moments today? If you had a selfish moment today, raise your hand. Ooh, man, you guys are bad. No, you're just honest. We all have them. How many of you have perfected the grace of self-control? You got it down, right? How many of you have reached the place of unflappable patience? You got it. Done. No. Sin complicates everything. We all, we th when we say that, we think first, well, it's, yeah, it's the sin of my child. He's got this wicked little heart. That, and you never had to sit him down and teach him. Now, Johnny, today, three lessons on how to lie. Let me show you how to not get along with your brothers and sisters. Here's a really cool way to cheat when you're in school. There's never been a class on that because they've got it in them out of the womb from the get-go. So do we. So sin, theirs and ours. It's the great difficulty in raising children. And if that is true, then the gospel is the great hope in raising children, both for us and our children. It is the power of God unto salvation. And we must give it to them and apply it to ourselves early and often and earnestly. It is the hope of every parent who has ever been discouraged with his or her parenting sins. We come back to the gospel every single day. There's forgiveness. There's hope. There's grace. There's help. There's strength. But sin has spawned all sorts of specific difficulties that have a bearing on parent, parenting. There's the general degeneration of our culture. We've talked about that. The cumulative effects of sin. It's just not the same as it used to be. Think how much more open sin is than it used to be. Our kids are not altogether shielded from that. And you can homeschool them. You can send them to Heritage Christian School. You can keep them in a bubble, but the culture will, will penetrate and will have a, some measure of effect on our children. Christianity is increasingly moving up the endangered species list of movements and viewpoints tolerated in the public square. Toleration is a watchword for everything but Christianity, right? Think about the prevailing psychology of child training today. It is fueled by a thoroughly unbiblical view of self-esteem. Uh, self I'm, I'm resisting the temptation to go off on that. We'll talk about it later. Okay? So there, there's, okay. <laughs> Self-image and self-esteem are two vastly different things. Okay? 
there's every kid comes into the world with boatloads too much of self-esteem. We've got to work really hard to give them a biblical self-image, how they view themselves as, yes, as sinners, but as creatures made in the image of God, and that image is what gives them worth and value and dignity. That is a biblical self-image. It's not, oh, I am so worth everything in the world. And well, I, Okay, I'm going to quit. We'll talk about that later because we've got to keep moving. Um, it's, all about, it's all about affirmation and freedom and self-expression. By all means, never disappoint your children or let them lose. Mom, Dad, look at my participation trophy. Yes! Okay, I get it. I, I get it. But at some point, our kids need to learn that sometimes they're going to lose. And they need to learn to lose with grace and dignity. I mean, it's going to happen. If they've never lost, if they've never lost a thing and they get a job at, at Factory ABC, guess what? Kablam! It's going to blast them to smithereens. When they lose something. Never disappoint your children. By all means, let your children choose their own gender identity. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you that you force your child into what he was born with? <laughs> it's that strong. I'm not kidding. By all means, never invade your child's zone of privacy. What they do, what they see, what they listen to, the decisions they make, who they talk to is their business only, which may explain why a young man, true story, named Justin Berry, made hundreds of thousands of dollars on Internet porn starting when he was just 13 without his mother ever knowing simply by using his computer and a webcam from his own bedroom. True story. That brings up the problem of technology. We're talking about what makes difficult, what makes parenting difficult. It's the prevailing attitude of uh, uh, the prevailing psychology of child rearing and, and uh, this unbiblical view of self-esteem and all that goes with it. Technology is a good tool. We're using it right now, but the devil is using it over time, and our kids are the target. Cell phones, smartphones, iPads, Kindles, computers, social media, text messaging. For all its benefits, it is changing the whole complexion of interpersonal face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball communication, and it may not be long before you're going to have to text your child to have a conversation with them. Instead of this. Kids don't know how to read faces anymore. They don't know delight. They don't know surprise. They don't know sadness. They don't know disappointment. What they know is, is this screen. Which is just text. Or, or doctored pictures. The Internet has opened up a whole new world of hell-spawn, soul-destroying entertainment for our kids. There's the whole music, movie, television, gaming industry that has become openly blatant in its wholesale marketing of sex, violence, corruption, drug abuse, alcoholism, or family violence. Any of you ever played Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty? Please don't. It's horrendous. 
think about this. And the stats I'm going to give you are, are um, these are stats I dug up two and a half years ago when I taught this class. I just didn't have time to go back and try to refresh all this, but two and a half years ago is not that old in the world of statistics, okay? The average child in the U.S. watches between 25,000 and 40,000 commercials a year. Advertisers spend 15 to 17 billion to sell their products to children, not to you. Who knows how much they spend to sell it to you, but they're spending 15 to 17 billion dollars a year to sell stuff to your kids. Why are they trying to sell to your kids? So their kids will spend their money for the rest of their lives on this or that or the other thing. And that's not all wholesome advertising. It was estimated a couple of years ago that digital ads by 2019 would top $1.2 billion. That's just digital ads. And are they advertising? Boys and girls, you need to sit down and read your Bibles. Another of the challenges we face, that's the challenge of technology. Um, another challenge we face is simply the risks that come with parenting, especially parenting teenagers. What are some of the risks involved? You risk the disapproval of your teenagers. You risk the very real possibility that they're not liking you very much. Good grief, your three-year-old cannot like you very much. On any given moment, right? And we don't want that, do we? That's uncomfortable. We don't like it when our kids don't like us. Are there days when you don't like your spouse very much? You love them. But there are days when I really don't like you very much right now. There, see, I just said it out loud. For you. And it's true. But we don't like it if our kids don't like us. And, and, and sometimes we're not willing to take that risk. What's hard about that is that we cherish their friendship. But wait just a minute. Are you their friend or are you their parent? Well, on good days you're both. But on all days you're their parent. And some days you're not their friend. And that's a risk we've got to be willing to take. You risk the scorn and the behind-your-back gossip of your friends who are also parenting teens when you've drawn a hard but necessary line in the sand for your 13 or 17-year-old and they haven't, and, and you risk the scorn and the behind-your-back gossip of friends who've drawn their line way, way, way farther down the road than you. You risk becoming the butt of jokes the jokes your children's friends are telling. You risk the heart hurt of seeing your teenagers hurt by the cruel comments of their peers because of the places you don't let them go or the things you won't let them do or the clothes you won't let them wear. You risk losing your own teenagers to their sullen withdrawal into an icy shutdown because they think you are the most unreasonable parent in all of history. Everybody else's parents are better than you. They say that. It's risky being a parent. But those are risks we must be willing to take.
if we're going to draw our line in the sand where the Bible draws the line in the sand. We've got to be willing to do that. One more challenge we face in parenting is how we're tempted to think about the whole issue of having children. And I don't think what I'm about to say is true of any of you in this room. If it is, you can tell me later. <laughs> I don't think it is. But it's out there. And, and don't think for a minute that we are not influenced by what's out there. Okay? We are. It's how we're tempted to think about the whole issue of having children. The thing of our culture about parenting and children has shifted drastically. Simply having children is no longer viewed the way it once was. It used to be that children brought new, significant, added dimensions of joy and delight to a home and to a family. Hot dog, we got kids. Once you had them, you couldn't imagine your life without them. And while we all realistically acknowledge moments of stress and long nights by a sickbed and all the rest, the joys were unspeakable, not anymore for a great many people. New York Magazine, July 4th. 2010, that's been t 10 years ago now, nine and a half. I love my children, I hate my life. No, sweetheart, I don't hate you, I just hate what I didn't become. Really? That's how you view your child? You hate what you didn't become because you had this child? Quote from that article, parents don't much enjoy parenting because the experience of raising children has fundamentally changed. The New York Magazine article, this one went on to say, citing various research studies, that parents who have more than one child are invariably less happy than parents who have none. Parents who... who have more than one child are invariably less happy than parents who have none. That is staggering. A survey of 909 working Texas women found that child care ranked 16th in pleasurability out of 19 activities. That's right down near the bottom. Preparing food, watching TV, exercising, talking on the phone, napping, shopping, and housework ranked higher than child care. It didn't used to be this way. It's true. Having children is work. That's why we call it labor. But raising them is work. It just is. But it's work that we ought to call vocation. Because it is a divine calling. It's a divine calling to have children. It is God's design for most married couples to have children. And if that's true, then it's also God's design for parents to raise them properly. And that's huge. It's a lot of work, really a lot. But here's where this divine calling becomes something less than that. Maybe it comes from a subtle intake of the pervading culture's thinking. Maybe it's a result of the frog in the boiling water analogy. Culture has shifted so subtly over the past several decades that... that we now think it's just always been this way that it's a pain in the butt to have children. People do think that, you know. Or maybe now parents think it's just always been this way that children are, are a burden. 
that would be easy for younger parents to think without the perspective of having lived for 50 or 60 or 70 years. That's how long I've lived. Or maybe it's because parents are having children later in life. And they get it because they're getting married later and they've had several years of relative freedom and they lived without children long enough to have developed some habits and patterns of living and now children have come and, and they're a burden and an interruption. They just get in the way. But somehow parents in our day and sometimes even Christian parents have come to view child rearing as a cross to bear instead of a holy calling. And those who think that way do so often because they have a mindset of entitlement. We're entitled to a certain amount of freedom from the bondage of having kids. Now, listen carefully. There's nothing wrong with a break, okay? There's nothing wrong with having a little time to yourself for peace and quiet, right? That's good. No, that's not coffee in case you're worried that I've gone to the dark side. Um, it's fine to take a break and, and, and to have some respite and some rest none of us deserve to have children children are a heritage from the Lord they're a gift and a blessing they're a trust from God we're stewards of them we do not deserve to have children I don't To have them is a privilege. To be called to rear them is an unspeakable honor. To be a parent is a high and holy calling. It is not a cross to bear. It is not a hindrance to my lifestyle. It's not something that gets in my way or keeps me from being fulfilled. It's not a sentence to X number of years of hard labor. It doesn't consign me to a miserable life because now I hate what I couldn't become. Parenting is a kingdom-oriented, God-honoring, joy-saturated, gut-wrenching, heart-engaging, life-changing, self-sacrificing, and blessedly fulfilling calling from God. It is noble work. It is God-like to have children. When you pray, when you often, when you often pray, what do you say? Our What? Why do you say that? Because you're his. It is God like to have children. We are not a cross that God has to bear. We're not a pain in his neck. We're not his burden. His children are his delight, they're the apple of his eye. So don't, don't let. The mindset of our culture that children are a burden and a cross to bear, and I just, I'm just, I can't wait till I get through these childhood years. Don't let that seep into your mind. Parenting is a kingdom oriented, God honoring, joy saturated, sometimes gut wrenching, and heart engaging, life changing, self sacrificing, and blessedly fulfilling calling from God. And if we don't have that deep-seated conviction that parenting is a calling from God, then those days, you ever have those days?
Those days when the laundry never ends, the crying seldom stops, the toys are always underfoot, the bickering's about to erupt into war, the kitchen is a disaster, the diapers have never been worse, there's throw up on the couch, the phone is ringing all day, and now there's someone at the front door. And that's in the first two hours of the day. In those days, if you don't have that, that mindset, that biblical mindset about parenting, those days will send us over the edge and make us wonder, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Now, we've all had some of those moments, if we're honest. And it's true that there's a lot about parenting that is just hard. It's work. It is. It takes a lot of energy. The commitment is huge. And some days are more draining than others. And some days you collapse at the end of the day. And you say, I am exhausted. But it's one thing to say, I'm exhausted with a deep-seated conviction that that exhaustion has been noble. And it's come, it's come out of the womb of the calling of God upon you to be a parent. It's a whole other thing for that exhaustion to say, I can't stand this. Why did I ever? So, yes, the commitment is huge, but what helps to keep all that in perspective is the deep, abiding, unwavering conviction that God has called me to this holy, noble work of parenting. And not only will a sense of calling help you to persevere through the hard days, it will significantly deepen and strengthen the joy that comes on the many good days God gives you with your children. Thanksgiving will well up in your heart and run out of your mouth when you remember that God himself called you to this unspeakable privilege of being a parent. And so there'll be days. Yeah, there'll be days in your weaker moments when, when that expression flashes across your mind and may even squeak out of your mouth what was I thinking what was I thinking hopefully there'll be more days when you'll say I get to do this I get to do this I get to raise these children I get to mold and shape these little kids what a privilege yes the possibility of heartbreak is real but the potential for a level and kind of joy that only parents can know is huge. And God in grace and kindness has called us to that. It's a divine calling. Wait, 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 wait. Calling? Okay, the call was not an audible one. It was not written in the sky. How many of you saw your child's name written in the clouds? Jeremiah. You didn't see that, did you? The call was not a mysterious, emotional, mystical experience. The call to parenting came first in the Garden of Eden when God said to our representative parents, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then that call was confirmed beyond question the day you and your spouse conceived a child. That was God's call to you to parenting. Unmistakably. So my point is that we need to guard our mindset about parenting from being influenced by the thinking of this world and make a huge difference. Now let me give you a brief word of encouragement. 
this is this is the Hoke Revised Standard Version of Second Corinthians twelve nine. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you parents. For power is perfected in parental weakness. Gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my parental weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Can you live with that? Yeah. My grace is sufficient for you parents, for power is perfected in parental weakness. I'll boast about my parental weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. It is not simply that God has called us to this holy work of parenting, but he has said, I will go with you through every day of this work to which I've called you. You are not alone. When you are dissolved in tears, in a heap on the floor, with the room scattered with toys, throw, remember the picture a minute ago with the lady, with in that moment, You are not alone. God is with you. And he will strengthen and help you and enable you to get up and to press on through those difficult days. Yes, 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 you're going to have difficult days. Of course you will. The world is broken. We are broken. Our kids are broken. But there's grace that is sufficient. For us in all of those days. And if we keep that mindset. That parenting is a noble calling. It's a divine vocation. It will help us through the hard days. It will deepen the joy of the good days. Okay. So. All right. We've got uh, two and a half minutes. You ready? Fasten your seatbelts. I've only got four more pages to go. Um, requirements for parenting. Maybe we just start these. Because I do want to let you go in time. Requirements for parenting. The fear of the Lord. You know you know the statements, the fear of the Lord is being wisdom, instruct for wisdom. Fear the Lord always. We need to fear the Lord more than we fear our kids. We need to fear the Lord more than we fear what others think. We need to fear the Lord more than we... Oops, oops, oops. More than we fear the experts, more than we fear the neighbors, more than we regard our own comfort and ease. Because if we fear the Lord more that stuff is going to take us right back here. And that's where we need to stay. Right? We need courage. Requirements of parenting, we need courage. Courage to do right. Courage to say no. Courage to risk disapproval. Courage to go against the crowd. Courage to enforce standards. The lack of modesty, the courage and four standards. The lack of modesty is not the fault of the fashion industry or of Hollywood. The lack of modesty in our daughters is dad's fault. Period, end of sentence. It's dad's fault. There's a, there's a ton behind that, okay? Um, we need wisdom. If any lack wisdom, that's me. Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. 
if ever there were a situation in which you felt profoundly your need for wisdom, isn't it, in the rearing of your children? What do you do when situation 573 arises? You need wisdom to take the principle and apply it to situation 573. Okay? You need perseverance and consistency. Stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. Stick with it. And when you've done everything else, stick with it. A close, consistent, genuine walk with God. You, I, parenting is so huge that without this, we, are, we, are, we will fail and fail and fail. And the strange thing about it is that, that the early parenting years are the hardest times to maintain a close, consistent walk with God, especially for you moms, because <coughs> your days are just slam, cram, full, start, finish, sun up to sunrise, sun up to sun down, sun up to sunrise. Sometimes it is sun up <laughs> to sunrise, right? <laughs> um, so capture moms, capture every, capture every tiny little spare moment you can capture. When you're nursing, when the kids are napping, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and your body's aching from top to bottom, pray. Meditate on Scripture. Husbands, make it easy for your wives to have some quiet time. You do the dishes. You take the kids for a, a couple hours. You, you arrange for your wife to have a massage down at the wherever you get good ones. You, husbands, make it easy for your wives to maintain a close, consistent, genuine walk with God. That will be the best way to equip her. That will be the best way for your moms to be equipped to fulfill all this huge stuff about parenting. Okay? And at the end of the day, please understand that we have at our disposal. We're right back here where we started. We have at our disposal the Word of God that is sufficient to equip us for every good work okay we're done for tonight I hope you'll come back next Tuesday um, I won't go quite so fast maybe <laughs> next Tuesday and we'll start getting into some of the more practical stuff about parenting and we'll talk about our roles as parents and who we are and what we do and we'll talk about the nature of our children. And you'll be surprised at some of the things I have to say about the nature of our children. Well, maybe you'll be surprised. Um, so I hope we'll see you back next week. If um, you did not call and sign up for the class, and if I don't have your name on here, and I think I do have everybody's, but just in case I miss somebody, you want to check this list to make sure we've got your name and email address. So we can send you any info. You're welcome to come take a look at books. Sign up for any you want to buy. We'll order them for you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you until we come back again next week. Oh, don't forget to get your kids. <laughs> I think they're still in the gym. Thank you, everybody.
got booklists up here if you want to just look through what we got.